For the Athletic Podcast Network, this is The Update. I'm Adam Copeland. On today's show, we'll talk to Grant Brisby, who covers the San Francisco Giants for The Athletic, about how the trade deadline went down on Tuesday. The Giants did complete three trades, trading four players. Darren Ruff, uh, you had Trevor Rosenthal traded, Matt Boyd was traded, and Kurt Casale. They only got one big leaguer in return and a handful of prospects. Not an exciting trade deadline for the Giants. Maybe the most surprising thing is that Carlos Rodon is still wearing black and orange. Will he come back after this year? Will they re-sign him after he opts out at the end of this season? All things we can talk about with Grant Brisby, who joins me next. Today is Friday, August 5th. It's a pleasure to welcome back to the podcast. Grant Brisby covers the San Francisco Giants for The Athletic. We are past the trade deadline, and uh, nothing really exciting happened. Not for, like, nobody else, just for the San Francisco Giants. Grant, what's going on, man? How are you? I'm doing well. How are you doing? I'm doing okay. Uh, were you as, uh, as frustrated as uh, – I know you're a journalist, so you're not allowed to be, like, totally up in arms, but, but what was your takeaway from the, uh, the Giants' moves at the trade deadline, and, and did it fit sort of what you expected to happen? It was weird. Uh, I can go on record with having that as my adjective. It was a weird deadline. Uh, it wasn't what I expected. It was just very incremental moves. It was not uh, a declaration of here's the face of the future. Here's the vision of the future. Here is what we're going to try and do to get back. It was very much uh, just a series of practical in isolation moves where, okay, we've got this catcher. We're probably not going to bring him back. He's on the other side of 30. He's on the injured list. Oh, we can get this. Clear a little space for Joey Bart. Okay, we've got Darren Ruff. He's uh, in his mid-30s. We've given him an extension. Maybe we can use this and get a couple prospects and get a younger Darren Ruff. It was all very practical in isolation, but at the end of the trade deadline, the Giants aren't better for this season. Their defense is still appalling. They didn't necessarily lay a foundation for next season. So they didn't have to do all those things, I suppose, but that's sort of what I was expecting. And for them just to say, no, 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 we're going to make little tiny moves and figure it out later, it's a little confusing. You know, to say it was a weird deadline or a confusing deadline or a strange deadline is, is all fine and good, but to go through all of what you just said and not mention that the Giants traded two players who never pitched for the organization was maybe <laughs> maybe the weirdest part of it. I was like, wait, the Trevor Rosenthal that they signed 12 days ago is now going out to Milwaukee. That was that was sort of funky, but I guess uh, when you spend $4.5 million on a guy like that and another team thinks that he can help them, I guess that's a, a positive. You get some players back, but it's not like they got a, a, a heaping load of prospects in return. The Darren Ruff deal, though, maybe a little bit more interesting because, as you mentioned, they get a player who's got two more years of team control, virtually the same guy, not a carbon copy, but profiles as the same kind of player in J.D. Davis, and you got a handful of prospects back as well. Getting four players for Darren Ruff is probably the most positive aspect of the deadline. There is not a single move that they made where I look at it in any way other than, yeah, like I like that return. That is, at the very least, that is what you should get back for that player. And when you get to Trevor Rosenthal, I mean, I love that trade. I, that's the one prospect that I'm looking at. Tristan Peters, he is a guy who can hit the baseball. And maybe he can only play left field or right field. And maybe he's going to be limited because he's on the smaller side. But he can hit. He's doing what you want to see a guy who was just drafted last year do. So I love that mood, that move in isolation. It's just when you, you're looking at the bigger picture and you're looking at 2023 not looking nearly as promising as maybe it once did. When you're looking at a team that is as disappointing as any in baseball, 
none of these moves are going to excite you. But I, I like looking at all these moves. Like the Darren Ruff move, total sense. If they had included Harleen Garcia in that deal, that still would have been a good deal for me. And I think the Mets would have been better off. If they had just swapped Ruff for Davis, I think that would have been a good move. I think that would have been value for value, and you would have seen why the Giants did it. But they got three prospects back in addition. So I like all these moves. They're just, with the big picture and the 10,000 feet view, a little weird. And I don't blame the fan base for saying, you know, the Giants have not lived up to the expectations they had. And I don't think anybody was expecting anything near what they did last year with 107 wins. But you thought this team sort of profiled as a uh, a playoff team. And, and I was talking to Dave Fleming yesterday uh, about the trade deadline. And he said the most alarming thing to him, or I think the term he used was sobering, is that the Giants did try to get Juan Soto. They contacted the Nationals and they basically said, here's our prospects. Nobody is off limits. And I don't know that they said nobody in the organization is off limits. But Farhan told the media the other day that, The Nats kind of looked at it and went, eh, which to me is a little bit concerning because it's not that the prospects they have are not key prospects or guys who could impact at the big league level in the next couple of years, but they just could not put together a package that the Padres did based on a lot of the success or lack of success for some of the minor leaguers this year. Does that tell you anything about this team or does it make you pull back a little bit and have a little bit of concern? Because that to me was, as Dave Fleming put it, a little bit sober and going, oh boy, the rest of the league may not view these prospects the same way the Giants do. It is very much a function of timing where before this season started, the Giants had one of the most respected, deepest farm systems where they had prospects. You could go to their 20th best prospect and say, oh, this guy might be a dude. You could go through and find depth at so many different positions. They've had so many disappointments this year. If if the Nationals are trying to trade Juan Soto in the offseason, I think the Giants match up pretty well, as well as any other team where you can start talking about Luis Matos and and Patrick Bailey. And you can start pulling all these first-round picks and you can say, this guy's going to work for you. And I think the Nationals would have been very interested they just haven't gotten that level. Like Marco Luciano's having a fine year. It's a little bit injury riddled, but at the same time, it's not a transcendent year. He's not blowing the doors off of the minor leagues. Kyle Harrison is, but that's the only real prospect in the top 10 that's having that's laying waste to the minor leagues. So the minor league system overall has been a disappointment. And I've seen fans get upset about, uh, I saw somebody the other day on Twitter and, and a couple of buddies of mine said, it's been four years and he's done nothing. And I said, nah, let's, let's not go that far. He didn't make a trade last year for Chris Bryant. Obviously, they were very successful. I also sort of look at the free agent market and I go, who was it that you really wanted that he swung and missed on? I mean, if you had Marcus Semien right now for the contract that the Rangers gave him, you probably wouldn't be thrilled with it. Maybe the same for Corey Seager. There were some guys like a Carlos Correa who got a value deal from the Minnesota Twins, but they tried to get Bryce Harper a few years ago. They brought in Carlos Rodon, who is a big name free agent to replace Kevin Gossman. Is your thought or are you of the mindset that they'll have to change their approach for free agency this year? Because there are some big names hitting it. You've got Aaron Judge, Trey Turner, there's some other big names out there. What's your thought on on maybe how they should approach free agency in 2022? I'm of two minds with this. And the first is that free agents are generally horrible investments. They are generally really bad ideas. They are going to give you uh, Barry Zito more often than Greg Maddox. They are going to be disappointments way, way, way more often than they're going to be uh, unqualified successes. At the same time, the Giants don't have a ton of payroll commitments going into the future, the distant future. They have like nothing after the next couple of seasons. And it is 
maybe time to plug your nose and say, yeah, this contract's going to be a stinker at the end, but it really helps now. And it's going to help engage the fan base and it's going to help the team win this year. I think there's room to do both to say free agents are a bad investment, but we're going to pick our spot with this one free agent. I think they were trying to do that with Bryce Harper. They might do it with Aaron Judge. It might be Trey Turner. It might be Juan Soto when he hits the free agent market in two years. I think there's room for both because I'm with you. What, Trevor Story is going to fix this team? You're going to have Nick Castellanos on the 2022 Giants and all of a sudden they're ahead of the Dodgers? Like, forget it. That money would have looked bad and it would have not helped them win this year and it would make you feel worse about the future. So, yeah, spending money isn't the cure-all. What were your thoughts on not trading Carlos Rodon? Uh, of the teams that were interested, the Phillies and the uh, St. Louis Cardinals, I-, I was okay with them not moving him because, uh, again, th- I think because the team is so boring, <laughs> there's just not an exciting team. <laughs> it seems like they're so much worse than they are. They're, they're a middling team. They're a team that's going to win close to 80 games. Maybe they don't tw- uh, quite get to 80, but 77 wins, maybe somewhere in there. Those are the most frustrating teams I feel like to watch each and every year. However, I'm okay with Farhan and Scott Harris setting like a hard line and saying, hey, if we're going to trade this guy and we're going to trade him to a team that's right above us uh, competing for that third wild card spot we need to get back something that we're absolutely wanting to get we're not going to sell him for pennies on the dollar so I was okay with holding on to him strictly because you are eliminating yourself you are waving the white flag and giving up the rest of the season if you trade Rodon to one of those two teams there's nothing to suggest the Giants can't go out and win five games in a row and get themselves right back in it what did you think about holding on to him and though they might lose him at the end of the season I, I certainly hope they go and try to offer him a contract to come back I was okay with not moving him because of those reasons. I am absolutely furious that Carlos Rodon is still with the Giants. Wow. I'm just not sure who I'm furious at. Am I mad at the teams that wouldn't give up good prospects for him? Because if you're sitting there and you're trying to get Carlos Rodon for your eighth best prospect and you don't necessarily see the urgency... I'm mad at you. I'm mad at the Yankees for thinking like, oh, he's got an option for next year and I don't know. He's so good. Get him on the Yankees now. Trade some good prospects. You don't have to trade Anthony Volpe. Just give up a lot of value to where you force the Giants' hand. If the teams were making those kind of deals and the Giants were holding on to him, then I'm mad at the Giants for saying, no, you know, we, we're not going to do this. We're not going to do that. I think it's the former. I think that the Giants were not getting the offers they wanted. It was surprising that the player option was a big deal to a lot of these teams. And that's annoying because this is really, if you're talking about making a trade at the deadline, you're not trying to make that trade to win the division, right? You're not trying to get a player who can give you that extra push, that extra game so that you win the AL East. You're getting a guy to start game one of the ALDS or Game two of the NLCS. You're looking at someone like that. And this was that one guy. This was that guy. And I cannot believe that the Yankees didn't do it. I cannot believe that the Cardinals, I can't believe that, I don't think the Dodgers were going to trade with the Giants, but I can't believe the Dodgers didn't get that guy, whether it's someone to help Craig Kimbrell out. That's the, the urgency that drives me nuts. And I just can't imagine the Giants left a lot of prospect offers on the table. 
Yeah, I'm with you. I, I'm not as furious as you are, but uh, I am surprised it didn't happen. Uh, and to your point, it seemed like all these teams that were making trades, like uh, I know the, the Cardinals went and got Jose Quintana, who's obviously not the player that, uh, that Carlos Rodon is. And then they made that swap for uh, Harrison Bader to the Yankees for uh, for Jordan Montgomery, but he's got another year of team control. The Yankees gave up a bunch to the A's to get Frankie Montas, but he's got another year uh, out there as well. So uh, it, it's obviously they're giving up more value for guys that are controllable. Uh, let me ask you this on the way out. Handful of players, some names, some, some veteran players, have been DFA'd over the last couple of days. Denelson Lamette gets traded to the Brewers uh, by the Padres and the, the Josh Hader deal. He got DFA'd. Uh, Pedro Severino, a catcher, was DFA'd. Uh, you've got Jackie Bradley Jr. who was DFA'd. Also, Didi Gregorius from the Phillies was re- outright released uh, just on uh, on Thursday. Any of those guys uh, intrigue you at all? Should they be names the Giants are, are looking at? Certainly, the shortstop position or middle infield position is the most shallow, I think, on the roster. Listen, if you're still sort of kind of trying to go for that last wild card spot, I think Pedro, Pedro Severino makes uh, some sense over Austin wins. I think you get an incremental upgrade there. Uh, I don't know how Didi Gregorius, Didi Gregorius is doing this year. I'm assuming it's pretty bad. Let me look. Ugh, he's well, been not pretty good. bad no. for a while. Um, so that might not be what you're doing, but he's probably better than Dixon Machado. I, I think that that not a very uh, hot take. So, yeah, I think you could start doing stuff like that. Uh, you're getting, you see Bryce Johnson up and he's going to help with the outfield defense. There's going to be some practical roster moves that can be made. I just, listen, there are three games uh, under 500 as of this recording. I just, I don't see there's a, a big, easy way out of this veterans prospects. I, I just think this is what it is. I've always loved the uh, the random veteran who tacks on with the Giants at the end of the year. Like, I'm thinking, like, Marlon Bird. Like, remember him? Totally oh, yeah, forgot yeah. that guy was a Giant for part of a season. I'm trying to think of some of the other ones. Jeffrey Hammonds, was he one who was out there in right field for part of a season? Uh, who, who was the other guy uh, who they signed in 2010 uh, uh, who, who then got caught with the HGH? Who was it? The uh, the outfielder, power-hitting Jose right fielder. Jose Guillen. There you go. Jose Guillen. All these guys you forget. Or what about uh, another fellow with the ring, Xavier Nady? <laughs> Xavier Nady's like the perfect... Uh, <laughs> Uh, we've got what uh, Bill Miller the second yeah, time yeah. where he, he came, came back in, in 2002, right? Like in September when they couldn't even put him on the postseason roster, he was oh my gosh! Did you know that uh, Xavier Nady uh, got five at bats in the NLDS in 2012? Do you remember any of those at bats? Not a single one of them. Did he have a hit? No, 0 for five. Yeah, okay. So he put together a uh, Pablo Sandoval like uh, like NLDS <laughs> in, the, in 2010. Uh, always fun catching up, Grant. I know that not not anybody is excited about the moves that went down, but get used to JD Davis. He'll be here for a couple more years. Uh, always fun catching up, dude. We'll talk to you later. You got it. Thanks so much for having me. Great stuff from uh, Grant Brisby. Make sure you're reading him and following him for the rest of the baseball season. And uh, if you're a Giants fan, Grant's a great guy to read because he he writes as a Giants fan. Like he he understands the agony that we're all going through. It's not just strictly giving you the the facts back and forth or giving you some quotes. He's writing great op-ed pieces on uh, on what the Giants have done and what they're doing. And I know people are upset with the way Farhan has, has structured this team and it's not going uh, as well as they had hoped. And it certainly is a letdown after last year. I just am a little bit confused about what it is that people were hoping he was going to do this uh, this pass offseason or hoping he was going to sign one of those big names, but in hindsight, a handful of those big names are not performing well. Even Trevor Story, as Grant mentioned, is on the injured list with the Boston Red Sox right now with a hairline fracture. So my thought is they've got to change their philosophy this offseason. Maybe it is an Aaron Judge. Maybe it is a Trey Turner. That would be a guy you can slot right into the top of this lineup. And then maybe again in a couple of years when Juan Soto is a free agent. I'm not anticipating he signs that $500 million deal with the San Diego Padres as they've already got 300 committed to Machado, 300 committed to Fernando Tatis 
Tatis Jr. They just gave Joe Musgrove $100 million. You still got you Darvish on the roster. There's a whole lot of money that the Padres have committed for the immediate future and for, for long term. So we'll see how all of that shakes out. Thank you to Grant for stopping by today. Thank you to Brian, my producer. If you're enjoying the podcast, please rate, review, and subscribe to us wherever it is you're listening. And on Monday, we'll get you the review or a little scope on what's going on with the 49ers' current biggest rival, the L.A. Rams. Jordan Rodriguez covers the Rams. She's going to stop by and talk to us on Monday about what their season's going to look like, where do they stack up in this NFC West. They project as the number one team defending Super Bowl champions, and the 49ers probably a close second with that defense that they're putting out there this year. It's all going to be about what Trey Lance can bring to to this offense. Until Monday, enjoy the week. We'll talk to you then.